Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This is Arabelle Raphael, and you're listening to Why Are People Into That by Tina Horn. Katie Skelly, K A. T-I-E. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not K-A-T-Y. Not K-A-T-Y, not to be confused. With Not to be confused with <laughs> the Perrys of the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Take That's note. That's my, my pseudonym, I guess, <laughs> for now. That's a very clever pseudonym. Yeah, thank you. Nobody suspects that I'm drawing porn. Porn drawing? Well, let's just get right into it. <laughs> so Katie Skelly has been on the show before at one of the earliest why are people into that live shows at the Pleasure Chest last Halloween? We talked about the sexiness of all different kinds of monsters, which was partially in tribute to your new book at the time, My Pretty Vampire, a sort of erotic horror comic that you wrote and illustrated mm-hmm. from Fantagraphics. And yes. now, not even a year later... You have a newer, new-ish book also from Fantagraphics called The Agency, which is also erotic and also kind of horrific. (laughs) This is like your wheelhouse. This is it. I found it. Yeah. So um, tell us everything about The Agency. The Agency is such a fun, like, winding story in my life. Because it came, it was born out of a mutual friend of ours, um, Kristen Corvette, Kristen Soleil. Yeah, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Um, We did the Monsters podcast together. And she, I I actually worked with her at Japan Society like five or six years ago now. And she came to a signing that I did at Desert Island in Mm. Brooklyn um, for my first book, Nurse Nurse. And she'd never seen my stuff before. And she looked through it and she was like, this is really cool. You know, I'm starting this blog, Sluttest. Would you ever want to draw dirty comics for it? Like, are you interested in that? And I thought about it and I was like, am I? I think I am. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. And so, you know, we talked more and we like worked out some rates and we worked out a schedule and everything. And I started putting out these weird comics about this girl who was a space traveler who was like fucking mushrooms and you know getting sexy massages from her crew member who was a skeleton Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know banging spider-man in outer space and he's a yellow spider-man so he's just like a little off brand and you know just it got weirder and weirder and it went on for like three years just like me checking in with her giving her another weird crazy comic publishing it seeing it go live having a mini heart attack (laughs) because everybody was going to be looking at it and i was like (gasps) because you had published a book but Mm -hmm. you hadn't been in the web comics game which has a different kind of immediacy to it right exactly yeah and immediacy and now with this kind of material like an intimacy that i was like right am i prepared for this i'm very much like 
I don't know if it's an Im- impulsive kind of thing, but I'm very much like, sounds good, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And then I don't deal with the sort of repercussions of that choice until it's actually happened. I think that's a way, that's a good way to be. Yeah. Especially as an artist. It's kind of a, a dumb fearlessness of just being like, I don't really know any better. Let's roll those dice, baby. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably a good, like, reflex. It's probably a good coping mechanism. Like, your brain is kind of like, you know what? If you overthink this, because overthinking is the, you know, enemy of creativity, as Absolutely. we all know. So so maybe, you know, the the creative part of your brain is like, let's just just have amnesia i've actually this is a bit of a tangent but i uh i have more close people in my life that are giving birth these days than i ever have before and so having conversations with people about the discomfort of pregnancy and the the pain of childbirth and i have long been somebody who believes that like for me the obviously there are queer parents and queer people who give birth but that for me like the queerness of my impulse to procreate is it is based in art right and and in the same way that people apparently it's like this biological imperative where where people who give birth forget how uncomfortable and painful it is so that they can do it again Mm -hmm. I sort of feel like I have that in my nature as an artist does that make sense a hundred thousand percent because there is nothing that I want more after I've gone through like you know doing a book Mm. is such a commitment and it takes forever so if you don't have that interest in it and like you know, you can't sustain the process of making it, not just making it, but, you know, putting it out, going on tour for it, promoting it for a year, you know, talking about it constantly. Like if you don't have that, then it's not going to happen. And that process is so draining and it can be really painful too. Like you can have those moments where you put a book out and you do a signing and nobody shows up or, you know, you'll get a bad review or, you know, you really go through the ego ringer. Mm -hmm, Exactly. But then as soon as that process is done, I'm like, let's do it again. Let's do it. I have another idea. You know, so (laughs) it's just, it's a, it's a hundred percent like process. It was so awful. Let's do it again. Exactly. Immediately. It's, it's very much like a, torture that I'm comfortable with mm-hmm, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean it's like, I sure do <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is what I can handle so there is there's definitely like a dumb fearlessness and there's also just kind of like you know what the pain is is not that bad like, and it, or it's it's worth it because you yes. also on some level realize what the reward exactly yeah exactly the reward is <laughs> so okay so Agent that so the agency and it was called Agent Eight when it was on Sluttist, right? Yes. So it's it's sort of would you say it's inspired by Barbarella? Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. very Barbarella like in the sense of like space slut on a meandering quest with no real purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's a hundred percent where I was and in a way using Barbarella as the template for that became sort of an easy way to skirt those bigger fears of like Mm. I'm releasing my inner ideas of like a sexual nature to the totally anonymous world of the internet right now I don't know what I'm going to get back but Barbarella has a charm to it And it has a meandering quality to it. And it's also, it's very much of, 
you know, of kind of like mid to late 60s where it's like, <gasps> we didn't know we could talk about sex. Now it's fun and we can kind of make a game of it. And, mm. you know, it's it's very non-threatening mm-hmm. in that particular way. And so finding that sort of non-threatening voice and finding like a cartoony style to work in was a good entry point into starting to do this kind of work. Yeah, the agency is very whimsical, mm-hmm. even when it's pretty dark. <laughs> dark whimsy. That's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what you're talking about with the nervousness about putting it out as a webcomic is really interesting because, of course, online there's like the first person industrial complex of, of so much quote-unquote confession and so much memoir that gets put out and then immediately, you know, the trolls come for you or some people are like, this spoke to me so much and here's a six-figure book deal. And like, and then it's like, we hate you. We're going to send SWAT teams to your mom's house. Like, you know, all right. the in- internet is different from publishing a book or it feels more like immediate and dense than it used to. So it's interesting that you're talking about that nervousness because so far what I've seen of your erotic comics, which is what we're going to talk about more today, is not really about, it's not memoirish in the sense of here was a time I had sex with another human or here was a time that I masturbated or here was a relationship that I had or what sex meant to me at this point in my life. It's fantasies and I can imagine how it could feel like you're making yourself really vulnerable by like admitting that you have these thoughts that you might have these fantasies but that's interesting I guess I don't my brain doesn't automatically go to a place where I assume this is your spank bank (laughs) that you are sharing with us any more than I would necessarily think that a horror writer is constantly fantasizing about like eviscerating people or whatever they're writing about. But do you think that with sex and especially as a female creator, do you think that people assume that these are your personal fantasies? Yes. Definitely. And I've had communications to that fact. I'm sure. uh, Many times. And I think, I also think that there, to go back to John Berger, who's one of my favorite. Ways of seeing, right? Yes, exactly. Men act, women appear. So if I'm putting this work out, I'm not actually working through an idea or trying anything, anything aesthetically. I'm trying to attract this sort of scenario into my life right it's it, people some people you know interpret it as this kind of like personal ad uh, you know right yeah is it no <laughs> i mean i would love are to you looking a for a skeleton to give you an ass <laughs> massage i just have to interject and say that i gave i did an ass worship uh workshop uh, at the pleasure chest last night and made a little slideshow and I did actually include this spread right here of the oh. skeleton giving an ass massage partially because she just looks so happy in her little leotard to be getting this nice I'm so honored. bony rub down did people like it they loved it oh I'm so honored that makes me so happy <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's not a personal ad <laughs> no I have I mean I think with the ideas and everything and especially in the agent eight comics it was more just kind of like how do i work 
sex into a comic like how do i it's very like formalist in that way because even though they do get a bit psychedelic or meandering they always have like some kind of tension built Mm -hmm. and then some kind of release (laughs) so it's like we're just looking at the spider-man one now how did you get away (laughs) with with spider-man eating ass on a spaceship (laughs) um great question just like sipping some of this delicious seltzer you've given me um i you know I get away with a lot. That's great. I'm I'm always surprised. That this I is do. like not. I mean, you're like he's yellow, yeah. but like this is Spider Man. I know. I mean, what are they gonna do about it? If they sent me a cease and desist, that would be the best possible thing for me. It would be amazing, right? Because yeah. then everyone would be like, "Why is this person getting a cease and desist?" I'm, I, I imagine also like fanboys being like, "This is not canon." <laughs> or maybe they would like it. I don't know. Maybe they. I mean, some of know, them. I'm sure they would. Definitely would. But um but yeah, for me, I mean, there are definitely like experiences or sensations that I've had that are in these stories. I mean, I'm yeah. a I'm a person, you know, like those sure. I only have so many stories to tell or so many things I can make up. So things that, you know, have happened in my life are definitely throughout these, but there's also this funny thing too of like people that I've dated have been like, That's that's me, isn't it? And I'm like, No. <laughs> not don't flatter you're not my skeleton boyfriend. No. You're not, that's not you under the Spider Man yeah, exactly. mask. <laughs> but um, That's funny. That's yeah. me. I think they want it to be them so badly. But it's like no I mean, there's no there's no person that's in these so much as just like, oh, I remember like, you know, when I you know saw like Barbarella for the first time or I remember like you know the first time that I saw like a woman with a motorcycle jacket on with nothing else underneath it Mm -hmm. or I remember the feeling like the first time I put a motorcycle jacket on or or any I mean it's so weird because it it feels like all of it is it's very sensory even if it looks kind of silly sometimes or cartoony I really like this kind of decision to just put somebody like in the agent nine comics and just like the middle of the beach. Mm -hmm. Like there's one like goofy little palm tree here. Yeah. Just like fucking on the beach and nobody else is around. Even though it's these very sort of cartoony colors, it's like, I really want someone to, to look at this panel and kind of feel that sensation and so that's why it's like i'll take out you know anything in the foreground or i'll take out a lot of detail because i'm like i would really like you to look at this and imagine how that would feel not just sexually but mentally like how do you put yourself in that kind of place so i like those kind of ideas i mean there's so much going on even just on this spread of of like voyeurism and exhibitionism Mm -hmm. anyway i'm now i'm getting lost (laughs) on the beach myself see it works. <laughs> you know, so I was just saying that I was at FlameCon this weekend, which is a, a queer Comic-Con uh, in its third year here in New York. And I went to a panel with some great artists where they were talking about, um, they ha- they did like several little like assignments beforehand about accessorizing different X-Men uh, in different styles. Uh, and, and they like redesigned a costume for Jean Grey and it was really fun. And... Something that they talked about in that workshop and also the Sailor Moon Made Me Gay panel that I went to as well was the idea of somebody making comics and and they weren't necessarily talking specifically about erotic comics, but they were talking about people who have an eye for fashion in their comics and 
I'm not, I'm somebody who really grew up feeling very alienated from fashion and I'm finally, I think, kind of coming around to the meanings behind aesthetics and I never used to admit that I cared what the characters were wearing in the comics that I love. But then when I look at your stuff and I see, yeah, that you obviously favor motorcycle jackets and you love <laughs> leotards and you love these little like ankle go-go boots and sunglasses and glasses. What is the connection between all of that style and the erotic aesthetics of the comic? It's those are styles that are not necessarily like historically aesthetically connected to erotica or mm -hmm. porn mm -hmm. you know like one of my my favorites guido crapax you've got a oh, nice yeah. collection out yes my sitting here my editor and i'm gonna get my grubby fingers all over it uh, but... yeah brought this back from from <laughs> it's actually in italian uh, oh i love shout it. out to amadeo yes. brought me back this italian guido crapax oh, so anyway perfect but if even if you just kind of look at you know what are the the outfits that Craypax will always go for. He'll always go for furs, furs, um, a thigh high. He'll do a lot of garter belts. He does, yes. you know, there's um, like very spiky shoes. Loves a spiky shoe. Yeah. Loves a spiky shoe. And I corsets love those things as well. But it just, it feels like to me to have a personal, like the most personal element I think in these books is the clothing. Interesting. Because like there are things in here that I've, actually worn yeah like i have you know right now in my closet i've got little white go-go boots that i love i have my white you know cat eye sunglasses i've definitely worn you know a stripy peter pan collar dress mm -hmm. and so those those sort of things i think are the most like that's me in the comic if anybody wants to look for me it's not going to be in the sex but it's going to be in the clothing <laughs> oh my god great pull quote <laughs> Because I I grew up, um, you know, I read comics a lot as a kid, but I also grew up reading a lot of fashion magazines. Mm -hmm. And because my my dad's side of the family owns a newsstand in Pennsylvania, cool. So I grew up working there, and it was just you know long days of looking at Vogue and stuff, and just being like, this is so far removed from my reality. I had no context for like what a Vogue editorial was. Yeah. I I literally was looking at it and I was coming at it from like, this is trying to tell some kind of story. Like the, it, it felt like it was like a storybook or something. And I'm like trying to put these images together. And when you try to do that, I think that's where you get, you know, really crazy, you know, fashion photographers like a Stephen Klein or like a Helmut Newton. And you're mm. like, why are these so affecting and disturbing? Mm. And it's like, it's in the clothing. Like who knew that that was something that could be such a powerful storytelling element. And so just kind of like coming at clothing from that alien perspective and also the knowledge of huh. like, I was never, you know, obviously like my parents on a newsstand, I'm not buying <laughs> anything in Vogue. Um, and I also, you know, always was like, you know, awkward in my body and mm. I never really knew like what size I was and I never knew what looked good on me. And, it just felt like it was something that I wanted, like I wanted fashion in my life so badly, but it was not accessible. And so to get, you know, that same satisfaction out of like reading the Vogues and looking and wishing, I would draw this stuff too. Mm. So it felt like, you know what, maybe I can't own it, but in this other way, it's a part of my life that's like more personal. 
cool so yeah and it's like the clothing in here it's like some of my stuff and then some of it are like it's that same things sort that of, you wish that you yeah, could it's, own it's wishing you know and it's dreaming want to get a chiseled look in the jawline sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from juvederm volux xc juvederm volux xc is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist visit juvederm.com that's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, wire people into that, listeners. Tina here with some exciting news for my New York City-based listeners, especially those who frequent my free workshops and wire people into that live shows at the Second Avenue Pleasure Chest. Friend of the pod, Ryan, the manager of the Upper East Side Pleasure Chest, has an announcement which I'm going to read for you now. We at the Pleasure Chest are excited to announce an improvement in the accessibility of our store with the completion of a lift, which is available to transport people who use wheelchairs or who would prefer not to use the stairs to our lower level. The lower level of the store is where our gender-inclusive bathrooms are located and also where workshops and events will be held going forward. Please inform a staff member if you would like to use this option and we will be happy to show you where it's located. Thanks for that announcement, Ryan, and I'll see all you listeners at the next free Pleasure Chest workshop. And now, back to the show. I, I think you do a really amazing job of drawing vulvas, and I, I think that a lot of erotic illustrations don't have vulvas that have lips that hang or, like, puff out mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. and especially if they're supposed supposed to be aroused right i think that having puffy vulvas is a really amazing way to show that the characters with the vulvas are into what's happening thank you yeah and like hard nipples i guess and Mm -hmm. and like the way that people's the people bulge out of their clothes it's really hot (laughs) yeah i think you know i i tend to agree with you like i haven't really seen vulva treated this like knowingly i guess i want to well, say well yeah that's the because other thing because if you right? think about like i mean with crepex you're not always getting um sort of like full frontal nudity mm-hmm. um you will get a ton of ass and that's yeah. where his focus is for sure and that's a lot of my focus as well it is um, kind of a personal ad for yeah, him right i mean I, oh, oh and absolutely. i love and i love i love the the pubic hair here thank you you know i always get there's one reviewer and i'm not gonna call her out because she's very sweet but anytime i do anything the first thing she talks about is the pubic hair like whenever she reviews my stuff she's like huh full bush on this like she's very that's her one like area that she's like 
got it. Skelly's at it again. Like I'm just like, what? Do you think that she approves or disapproves? I think that she, I think she approves. She thinks it's notable. Yeah. And I, you know, well, that also comes out of like the Italian erotica tradition, you know, like you're, you're always going to see pubic hair in Minara or a Craypax. Um, so I I tend to like that because I feel like it puts me in their league. Um, but I also, you know, you I totally think are. It's such a good. Thank you. It's a great texture, too. Like, why would you yeah. deny your readers that texture? It's so it can be so, so good. So um, it shows dimension. It, dimension. Absolutely. So I think, you know, I don't know why someone would skip that or skip sort of the shape of a, a vulva either, but. Do you think that people use your comics as masturbation inspiration material? That's that's a tough question. I've gotten it before, and I I don't tend to think so. Interesting. The reason that I don't tend to think so is because we're in this century, and I think if you really want to you know seek out something that is like to a certain like end like if you really just like you want to get off Mm -hmm. I don't know that this is going to be the way that we're wired now like we're so jaded to the image Mm. and we're just so used to seeing motion I don't know that this is really the one (laughs) if somebody is able to i'm very impressed you don't need to get in in contact with me gonna be my next question (laughs) would you like to to hear from them no i'm all set but i'm you know always happy to help show your support by buying one for your friends or buy more buy seven (laughs) you know do what you have to do what if you lose one yeah leave a nice review on amazon yeah whatever you want to do um other than getting in touch with me uh but uh I think I think it could be like the a pathway to arousal and to mm. you know release but I don't I don't see it see it that way and it doesn't it doesn't feel that way to me. I don't think that's to its detriment yeah. but it's just it's 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 a whole other thing. It's its own thing. So what purpose does the explicit sex and nudity and fetishism and eroticism serve if not as masturbation material it's a new kind of narrative Mm. it's something that you know i i think about that a lot because i've been really into the david cronenberg movie crash lately which is my one of my favorite if not my favorite films and it got so much flack when it came out because there would be scenes, there would be pornographic scenes right after another or erotic scenes, I guess, right after another with no exposition or plot in between. Yeah. And so, you know, it was censored and people in Britain flipped out. It was, and, like, it was NC-17, right? Yes. Movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. England, like, absolutely lost their minds over a crash, which is, like, such a great story. Like, the censorship of that movie is fascinating. Um, but, you know, I think... If, if it's not, I mean, I think it's fine to still call it pornography, even if you're not, you know, necessarily trying to get people to like have orgasmic release when they're done reading it. I think it's just another way. It's almost like when I was talking about like the, that sort of beach scene, it's almost meditative in a, Mm. in a different kind of way. Mm. Like you can stop what you're doing 
and read and experience like these sexual ideas without you know turning on a video or you know actually having sex or a movie like crash which to be clear is like a hollywood movie in which the actors are not to my knowledge actually having intercourse in the way that performers in a hardcore porn would although you never know with james spader <laughs> so a movie like crash or a book like the agency or your other book my pretty vampire and one of your other books they could be about arousal sort of more in like smaller waves rather than the idea of like getting to a certain point of of the wave crashing i don't sure. know <laughs> yeah it's it's so like difficult to put words to but i think about sort of the way that like i experience sexuality like in my own life it's just kind of like it's never it's never just like a moment of like banging and i'm like yep got it like good for the day whatever i kind of i tend to like like oh you know you like you start your morning and you like listen to a Sebastian Tellier record <laughs> and then like later on it's like you take you know 10 minutes to yourself and like just drink like a tea that you really like and it's like just you enjoying it and you like sit there and just think about like oh, how nice is this and then later in the day it's like you can you know send some like photos to somebody or something yeah. it's never it's just kind of like taking an enjoyment in the sensations that you feel in your body as opposed to just kind of being like oh, I just need to get from point A to point B in this sort of thing well I love the idea of sensuality every of, of everyday sensuality being a part of your sex life yeah and sexual dreaming being a part of your sex life yeah it feels like in a way like connecting it back to you know looking at Vogue and looking at fashion magazines it's like it's a wanting and there's like a pleasure mm. in the wanting and and in some ways that pleasure can be greater than the release even totally you know like wanting to get the Chanel boucle jacket in 1992 definitely felt better than if I had actually had one totally I mean Kima those shoulders would be on a 12 year old I mean <laughs> it's not for me you know so it's like I, I think I think there is a lot to be said for that. See, I told you people inevitably talk about their uh, <laughs> sexuality as children. <laughs> but in your case, you're talking about Chanel shoulders. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I, you know, listen, I think uh, to take it back to your original question, if somebody sort of is able to unlock that pleasure mm. like in feeling aroused reading this stuff then I feel very I feel great like cool. that is a good sensation for me so yeah well there's there's so many different ways of experiencing sexuality right like there's looking at a porn magazine or watching a porn movie and getting acutely turned on and masturbating and coming or watching it with a partner or group and getting turned on and you know being inspired to fuck or masturbate and come but then there's also i mean i have to say like reading the agency i feel like 
sensations like delight, which is a, a sensation that I like to associate with sex, and wonder, which is a, feel, a sensation that I like to associate with sex, and also just that I, I don't know what the word is for this feeling of just like, oh no, she didn't like this is like this is so audacious and. It feels really good that people are making audacious art in this world that feels connected to sexuality. I don't know if there's a word yeah, for it. I don't know. Yet. I, you know what? I'm just inventing it. I'm inventing <laughs> my own kind of sexuality. And soon you'll see it as an option on like OkCupid or something <laughs> when you're filling out your profile. So you are working on your dating profile. <laughs> so if your work in the realm of erotic comics is erotic is like surreal sensual erotic dreaming then there are also other genres of erotic comics right like there are definitely erotic comics that are similar to pornography in the sense that you have a loose story or narrative and like a, a narrative arc of people having sex and drawings of aroused genitalia and penetration and O faces and all that kind of thing that you may well want to jerk off to. Sometimes it seems very evident that people draw it so that they can jerk off to their own drawings, right? Which is something that like, that's like part of the myth of Tom of Finland, right? That, that right. he would like, draw the things that he wanted to jerk off to um and then you have we were talking about memoir earlier there's definitely a genre of like the erotic fantasy lives of often straight white guys like i have this Arkham print above us that says the sex obsessions of Arkham. i'm a huge Arkham fan and he also clearly like drew the kinds of body types of women that he wanted to fuck, mm -hmm. liked to fuck. And then you have people like Joe Matt and Chester Brown, who definitely, yeah, are like writing like not only the things that they like to masturbate to, but their experiences of masturbation or in Chester Brown's case, like seeing prostitutes. So I like pulled down a lot of my erotic comics of which I have quite a few. I mean, we've got, so here's some R. Crumb and then there's lot. Have you read Lost Girls? I haven't. Oh my God. It's Alan Moore. Right? Yeah. It's Alan Moore and Melinda Gebby. It's basically like this epic fantasy retelling of Wendy from Peter Pan and Alice from Alice in Wonderland and and uh, Dorothy oh, from The Wizard of Oz. Cute. And they're like old ladies that meet at a hotel. And so it's, it's really hot. Mm -hmm. I've definitely masturbated to that one. So there you go. <laughs> I have this collection of best erotic comics from 2008, um, which has like... Phoebe Glockner and this like M Michael Manning like fetish stuff and yes yeah, so definitely like some memoir some fantasy some porn I don't know am I missing a genre well okay so then the other genre I would say of erotic comics would be things that can be and your your work would fall under this category as well i think like things that 
work the best in erotic comics because they could never happen in real life. Mm -hmm. Like, physically they can't happen. Like, there are fantastic creatures, like unicorns. Uh, or there's people defying gravity, or people having sex in space, or people... Um, having sex with mermaids or people uh you know having sex with like like a giantess or something like that right so so or or being or creating scenarios that having like real actors like Holly Hunter and James Spader, for example, mm -hmm. uh, from Crash act out would be, it would be unethical to even have someone like simulate certain things or just like edgier to have them do that. And so, but if you're, if you're drawing your own creations, then you don't have to get anybody's consent mm -hmm. besides the consent of the person who's drawing it and the consent of the person who's, who's looking at it. Mm -hmm. And you also are not limited by things like gravity and whether or not the creatures that are having sex actually exist. Right. I mean, there's some like bestiality stuff in some of these books as well, whether mm -hmm. it's like an octopus or name name your creature, right? <laughs> so, I mean, the ethics of that are interesting. Anyway, mm -hmm. so I'm talking about a bunch of different things. I guess like what I want to talk about is genre and what mm -hmm. you think is the difference between erotic comics that are this is sex that I've had in real life versus this is the sex that I wish that I could have mm -hmm. or just I want to create a mood <laughs> I well I want to throw one more thing on your yeah. pile of genres which is um you have to look at manga as well totally which has a billion different avenues and including everything you just talked about but there are also assets or sort of factors to like gay manga. Mm. Like I'm thinking about, do you know Gen Gengaro Tagame? I don't know. He, um, it's very, very graphic, very at times violent, um, sadistic, like bondage, you know, fighting, bucking, just like sweaty, wild stuff. Um, you know, there are those kind of things that like to to the extent that the like eroticism happens in the book, like could would be like criminal too. I mean, you have to look at right there. There are those sorts of elements to it as well. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Scott McCloud, who I don't agree with on very much, mm -hmm. <laughs> talks about how like comics are one of the only active media because you have to put ideas between panels mm. and you have to form a story that way. Like a, a comic is telling you a story, but your brain is doing the work right. to actually form everything together. I disagree with that because he's cutting out film and mm. you have to understand like there are things between cuts in film that your brain is putting together totally. as well. Um, but there is something really interesting to that understanding of comics when it comes to eroticism because you are doing some of the work to picture like you know let's say in this panel they're in this position and then the next one they're in another position so regardless of if you if you as the artist are approaching it from like this is sex I've had or sex I want to have the 
reader is still participating in it. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. So that is interesting. I, so I wrote my undergrad master's thesis on semiotics in comic books. And one of the things that I talked about was I basically tried to make like, you know, little like 22 year old me, like tried to make the case that the reason that comics, which I, you know, already at the time, like passionately loved so much and had loved since I was a kid, the reason that they inspire so much obsession and identification is because of the participation that is required by the reader of both reading the language and absorbing the imagery and creating that like sequential narrative like uh, fusion or union in your own mind and you, you as you're saying like it feels like you're an active participant in the story even though technically you're technically you're I don't know. I was going to say that you're you're passive because it's it's static and it's already been made, but also there is so much of your imagination that is participating in it. It's really interesting to think about that when you are reading a sequential narrative sex scene. Mm-hmm. Unless you have, you know, like a manga artist who like manga in terms of storytelling, and obviously this is like a sweeping generalization, but tends to favor like deconstruction Hmm. like like the act of sort of deconstruction so like if a car is crashing in a panel to go back to my (laughs) my particular fetish if a car is crashing you're going to see the deconstruction of action from like you know slamming on the brakes to like the car getting closer to a wall closer closer reactions all that kind of stuff as opposed to sort of western storytelling Mm. especially in bigger like mainstream you know superhero genre comics because those stories have been told so often, it's not as important to show all those little sort of moments along the way. Like like we were talking about earlier, it's like you explode the planet. Right. And then you can show reactions, but you don't have to show like a, one full page of it. They're just like bursting, bursting, bursting. Or like the missile like heading Mm -hmm. okay now it's a little closer now it's a little closer Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so that a a narrative or like a way of storytelling that's closer to manga i think might be a little bit more of a passive read it's still active you know you're still putting moments together between moments um but yeah it's it's a different kind of way of getting like into arousal it's interesting to think also about the taste and subjectivity of what we like to watch when it comes to sexuality because when you're reading a sex scene that's told in comic sequential art you're seeing only you know the sort of the moments the like frozen moments even if it's mid action that the writer and the artist who are sometimes the same and sometimes not are choosing to show and they might choose to show the moment of orgasm or they might choose to show you a close up on someone biting their lip or they you might they might choose to show 
a penis plunging into a vagina. And also they might choose to make that vagina really swollen and wet. And they might like not even realize that that is what's supposed to be happening when a penis is plunging inside of it. You know, like Um, and you're, you're seeing so much of like what you're getting this insight into what the artist thinks is important to show yeah about sex Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it could be you know anything from like hey this you know um like this panel in agent 10 like you know this type of bondage is like exciting to me and i really enjoy it myself sexually or it could just be like aesthetically that looks great yeah and i want to invoke that kind of idea of being vulnerable for mm. this panel because she's about to go through like a cult ritual of yeah. like fucking an octopus to have a vision so um you know it it tends to like vary and meander but yeah i think um i think that's the beauty of doing these kinds of comics too because even let's say you were doing work for hire yeah. erotic stuff you still could have your moments that you slide your ideas or your interests or fetishes into yeah you know? and then you're just exposing a whole new audience to them which is cool yeah yeah it's interesting to think about like if you're watching porn of let's say two people having vaginal intercourse penis and vagina intercourse there are going to be things that you, the viewer, focuses in on. Mm -hmm. And some people, I think, always want to see the same thing every time. Like somebody, when they look at porn, they're Mm -hmm. like in it for the pussy. And they like don't even care if you can see anybody's face. They just want, they just want to see that pussy. Mm -hmm. Like personally... When I'm watching porn, my experience of it is like total just like jumping all over the place with like identifying, which, as I've said before, is part of the reason that I like gangbang porn. I like that it's there's there's just like a lot there to Mm -hmm. identify with. And there's like there's a lot of different faces and there's a lot of different genitals and there's a lot of different permutations of how those faces and genitals are interacting. Mm -hmm. And there are like a lot of different butts, like doing a lot of different things and different positions at every moment. And there are some scenes that I return to again and again. And it's like, I know what's going to happen, but (laughs) I'm still surprised. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Your, your mind focuses on the thing that's going to give you the most pleasure ultimately because your your mind you know it's part of your body and so it wants to find the thing that's going to give you the quickest release the most satisfying release you know the path of least resistance yeah and so for me you know it's doing these kinds of comics it's returning to those images you know and processing them out myself like you know, I remember seeing this video and there was like two girls and one guy and they were kind of like the plot was sort of like, oh, we like we're big fans of his. And he's like, I don't know, a basketball player or something. We like broke into his house and we're going to like sleep with him. And it was like, OK, you know, fine. It's cute. But they both wore these opaque colored tights. One had red tights on and then one had blue tights on. And I was like 
hypnotized. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, I, this whole like storyline is so goofy or whatever, but I was just like, yeah, okay. Like what if they broke into my house? That'd be (laughs) so great. (laughs) That would be so great. Um, So yeah. So then, you know, that's why like agent nine, it's like, girls wearing that are twins wearing bright opaque colors you know like yeah yeah so the origin story yeah Yeah, so it's not people i dated it's people that i watched in (laughs) so thank you to the porn community for giving me everything i needed but yeah it's like i i fucking love this book just to like keep it totally real with you i love this book i'm so happy that it's out because we you know the sluttest journey like doing these was so raw and so personal and it happened like I did these comics you know in my late 20s like just turning 30 and there was just so much going on for me right then and just figuring out like what do I want in a job what do I want in a relationship what do I want out of my comics and it was like my Saturn return Mm -hmm. so much going like just so much mental like anguish and then I came out of it and I'm like I don't need that much anguish like I can just enjoy what's going on around me just butts yeah just butts and I hope even though it, it might seem like what are you talking about like you just drew people fucking it's like no i really do hope that people like you know go on this little journey and enjoy it as much as i enjoyed making it if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.